once a month, at least, we check in with State Senator Doris Turner to find out what's happening in her district and in the Illinois General Assembly. And it's been an eventful couple of weeks since we last spoke with the General Assembly's fall veto session wrapping up at the end of last week. Today, Senator Turner and a number of other local dignitaries were on hand to celebrate one of the big pieces of legislation that went through, at least big for us here in Springfield. It didn't get all the statewide headlines, but it's really important here. That's the legislation that extends the Enos Park TIF District. And that's where we'll start this afternoon as we say hello to State Senator Doris Turner. Senator, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Doing very well, thanks. And thanks, as always, for uh, for taking the time. Uh, you know, our listeners know the, the history of this and know that this dragged on literally for months with the city of Springfield unable to get Capital Township to sign off on this TIF district extension. And without that sign-off, the legislature wasn't going to approve the bill to extend the TIF. And then it, it seemed like we were at an impasse last Wednesday And then on Thursday, boom, we've got an agreement, uh, we've got a bill, we've got the bill passed through both chambers. How did this all fall into place so quickly? It was a whirlwind, I I will tell you. And I was just really happy that I was able to, um, you know, kind of bring people together and and get this over over the finish line. It's definitely a win-win for the Springfield community. You know, I'm a a proud North Ender, as as you've heard me say many times, and I remember what Enos Park was back when I was when I was a kid walking to school. And um, you know, it it is starting to be revitalized. We're starting to see a lot of things happen there. So I am just really excited that we were able to get that um, you know, that tip ex- extended. You know, uh, Joe Elio, part of the reason he uh, held up Capital Township's approval of this is because he says TIF districts often don't generate the kind of return on investment we'd like to see. We we divert money away from local taxing bodies, the increment of the uh, growth in property tax value there. And he says sometimes it doesn't really produce that much additional uh, tax value and additional development, additional jobs and things. Um, how would you assess the Enos Park TIF so far? far and and what what tells you that this will be a a successful uh, investment in our future having extended this TIF district you know um i will i will say that um i spent a lot of time with joe and a lot of conversations regarding tiffs and and the enos park tiff more specifically and um you know Joe shared some concerns that were held by other taxing bodies. If you remember, the Park District had some similar concerns, and they were able to work out an agreement with the mayor, and they provided a letter. Um, and and I think that the issues that Joe brought forward, he brought them forward in a manner that would definitely serve the city of Springfield neighborhoods and all of the taxing bodies. You know, um, he he could have just folded and, and went along with, you know, just getting the uh, money that the that the mayor had talked about refunding to Capital Township. But I think that what Joe did w- will be very meaningful, not only for Springfield and the Enos Park TIF, but for uh, the entire state of Illinois going, going forward. And I think that with the new things that are in place and the, the different, you know, eyes and, and planning and accountability and more importantly, participation 
by uh, all of the taxing bodies and a lot of the decisions that will be made going forward will definitely serve everyone well. And I think that we will continue to see a lot of the good work that we're seeing in in Enos Park. I think that, you know, the the Enos Park TIF and the Far East um, TIF have a lot of similarities. Those are the, um, the, basically the two TIFs out of the nine that the city has that are, should be used to really revitalize inner city older neighborhoods. And I think that, uh, you know, we will definitely see that going forward with the Enos Park TIF. I believe I heard you mention today that uh, you want to take some of what was uh, part of this ultimate agreement here to give local taxing bodies more of a voice in these TIF decisions and actually uh, codify that in, into state law. Are you working on legislation to that effect? I, I definitely am. And, um, you know, as you know, when I came on to the city council, there were a lot of issues with um, the Ennis Park TIF, and I worked very closely with uh, with the mayor and other aldermen to, um, you know, kind of put some things into play that uh, gave us better accountability moving forward. And I think that that's a good thing. And then when I went to the General Assembly, uh, I started looking at some of the TIF legislation that was going forward and um, really started looking at how I could take some of the things that we were doing in Springfield and codify that into legislation that would be beneficial you know, for the entire state. So uh, um, you should definitely look to see something uh, moving forward in the spring session. It's been my experience in years past that Springfield often gets short shrift in the General Assembly, even though we're the state capital, even though they travel here several times a year to govern. Uh, when Springfield has particular needs, it's sometimes hard to get anybody to pay attention under the Capitol Dome. And that didn't happen last week. To what extent is that because we have a state senator now from Springfield proper as opposed to, uh, you know, from from outlying areas, and also how much of a role did the city's newly hired lobbyist play in getting this done? You know, um, I will tell you that I have, a since I've been in the General Assembly um, in February, I have approached this job the way that I approached my time on the uh, county board and my time on the city council. I just really feel like that it's important to, you know, get in and do everything that you can while you can. And, um, you know, I take this role very seriously. And, um, you know, I, I'm very vocal and, uh, and I think that people appreciate that and, and they listen. And, um, I am part of a number of different caucuses and I have the opportunity to always keep Springfield at the forefront of any conversation that, that is going on under the, under the dome. And, um, and if you notice, even though I've only been there since February, I've been able to bring back some, you know, some big wins for the city. And and I I I think that that's a, a great thing and I want to continue that. And I will tell you that I have always thought and I have always expressed that the city of Springfield should have a paid lobbyist that was doing nothing but looking out for the city of Springfield's interests. And I think that having um, that lobbyist on board uh, was was beneficial because you know it it provided someone that that was a good um, you know point of contact and everybody's not just running around like a chicken with their head cut off trying to get a hold of this one and get a hold of that one so um, you know I I spent time talking with Larry Luster and it was um, it was beneficial. 
State Senator Doris Turner is here with us live this afternoon. Senator, I want to turn to another pretty significant vote last week. You were one of only a handful of Democrats in the in the Senate that voted against the revisions to the Health Care Right of Conscience Act. That was the bill that stated that people wanting to invoke that act could not do so to evade COVID mandates. And again, most Democrats in the General Assembly supported that. But you were a no vote. Why is that? You know, um, I will tell you that I have been an elected official for almost 20 years, and I took some of the most difficult votes last week that I have ever taken, um, and that was one of them. I was really um, torn, um, and it was a very it was a difficult decision, and I worked it out, worked it out, worked it out, and decided to vote no. And the reason why I did is I don't want anyone to get confused, though, because I'm fully support vaccines. You know, I, I just got my booster shot last week, so I'm fully vaxxed. Everyone in my family is. And I, um, and I, I think that everyone should take things very seriously. Now, having said that, I know that, you know, people have a lot of, of personal issues around, um, around the vaccine, but I am really hopeful that everyone can come to the table and we can um, have a path moving forward that gets people back to work safely, that gets our kids in school and keeps them in school safely. So uh, even though I did vote no for the for you know um, that bill, I do want to continue to kind of press a dialogue so that we can move. Uh, to where everyone can get back in a safe place. But, Senator, in in most cases, people were told you either have to show proof of vaccination or you have to undergo weekly COVID testing. And the people that are wanting to invoke the Health Care Right of Conscience Act are saying, nope, don't want to do either one. Where exactly is the middle ground there? You've given them a, a couple of safe and reasonable options, and they say, nope and nope. Where where do you find compromise? You know, I... um. That's difficult. That's a difficult question, and I wish I had a better answer for you. But I, I do believe that we will get there. Um, I just don't know that that forcing it on um, individuals the way that you know the the change would have done was. Uh, perhaps the best way to go the best way to go about it. Let me ask you about the underlying law, the Health Care Right of Conscience Act, and that's the law that lets a pharmacist uh, deny a woman access to birth control because the pharmacist has a moral objection to birth control. Is that a good law in the first place? Is that a law that should be on the books in Illinois? You know, um, I had uh, a lot of issues with that law when it when it was first passed. And unfortunately, we are in a place where there's a, a slippery, slippery slope to it. So, um, you know, there, I, there's no sense in, you know, going back, trying to rehash that one. It's there. It's been on the books for a very long time. And unfortunately, you know, we find ourselves in a place now where, you know, people are using it uh, with regard to to the, the pandemic. Um, again, you know, the bill is that the bill has been passed. It's at the governor's desk. I'm sure that the governor will sign it. And, um, you know, we'll just have to move move forward. 
Uh, Senator, finally, uh, you did vote in support of repealing the Parental Notification Act. That is the, the law that required parents to be notified, not even to consent, but to be notified before their minor child uh, has an abortion. Uh, why did you uh, decide to, that that law should come off the books? You know, I, I did support the repeal. I have a I have a long history with uh, Springfield Planned Parenthood. I was a I was a board member. And, um, you know, every we don't all live in an idyllic Osbian Harriet Huxtable household. And I think that for those um, individuals who find themselves in a situation that they cannot, for whatever reason, have that very difficult, hard discussion with a, a parent or a guardian, they should be able to make that life-changing decision in concert with their uh, physician and someone else that, that they feel comfortable having it with. You know, um, from on a very personal note, um, you know, I was a young mother, and I was very fortunate and blessed that I had the love and support of, the, of my family. Everyone doesn't have that, and uh, we can't force those relationships where they, where they don't exist. And the other thing that I think is worth noting is that part of that re- that uh, legislation was not just the repeal of uh, it also included some structure to support um, teens who find themselves in these difficult situations. So I think that that should not be lost on it. So while we are. Uh, you know, repealing the act, we're also providing some tools, some resources, and some assistance for people who find themselves in, in that situation who may be alone and don't have someone that they can turn to. State Senator Doris Turner with the fall veto session now over. Uh, you've got a, a couple of months breather before lawmakers return, but next year they're returning in an election year. Uh, any thoughts yet on what your big priorities will be for the spring of 2022? You know, I am actually meeting with with my team this week, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about legis- legislative priorities and also some uh, some big budget items. So look forward to it. It's coming. We'll uh, be eager to hear more about that as we get closer to the next legislative session. In the meantime, State Senator Doris Turner, thanks for joining us here this afternoon. We always appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity.